Hey everyone, you're listening to Nobody's Perfect, a place to figure out either the mistakes people are making in the world of employment or find out what separates the successful from the struggling. The key, of course, always is to learn one way or another. For localjobnetwork.com radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today we're looking at the best and worst states for business based on the opinions of CEOs, examining how the various states are viewed regarding business, positively, negatively, and hoping to find some trends that can help individuals and companies in their respective states. To help guide us is Michael Bamberger from Connecticut. He is a vice president at Chief Executive Research and runs the operations of the firm's research business, including surveying like the one done to determine the best and worst states. Michael, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you, Tim. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, before we get into the, the subject matter, uh, why don't you let listeners know a little bit about what your company does and specifically what your role is as well? Absolutely. So Chief Executive Group uh, is an organization that's been around for 35 years. Uh, we're most well known for being the publisher of Chief Executive Magazine. We provide information, products, and other services that fulfill our unifying mission, which is to enhance the effectiveness of CEOs and the organizations they lead. Uh, in addition to providing content, which we do through our magazine, website, e-newsletters, and webinars, we also facilitate peer networking and leadership development with our annual events and through our subsidiary company, Chief Executive and Senior Executive Networks. We also provide research products and services, which includes our syndicated research reports and custom research projects. And uh, we provide survey-based editorial features through our research group for the magazine. As you mentioned, I'm the vice president of the research group, where I'm responsible for running the operations of the research business. And you talk about, obviously, a lot of this research. And part of the research is the, the annual CEO opinion survey that does try to give an idea of what the best and worst states are to, to conduct business in. Could you give us a little bit of idea what the process is, the criteria, and, and some of the things that go into figuring this list out? Absolutely. And the thing that's most important to know about our list, as you mentioned before, uh, it's entirely based on CEO perception. That is what we're measuring here. So the way the process works for the survey is we send out a survey to our list of CEOs, approximately 50,000 CEOs, and we get a pretty good response rate from them. And what we ask them to do is to rank the four best states for business and the four worst states for business. Uh, now, some people fill out all eight of those. Some fill out just a few of those spots. And the way we compile the list is we give a point value to each of those rankings. So, for instance, uh, if a state is given an, a first place vote, the best state for business, that's a plus 10 points. Okay. If they're given a worst state for business, that's negative 10. So what we do is we add up the scores for the states based on those votes given by CEOs, and that's what creates the final list that we have there. Uh, additionally, in the in the survey... These aren't reflected in the rankings. The rankings are purely based on those votes that I just mentioned. We also ask CEOs to rate the states in three areas, and those areas are taxation and regulation, workforce quality, and living environment. So we provide these quantitative metrics that rate the states on these areas as well, but those are not figured into our rankings. So since this is coming from uh, and people that are in the thick of business, so to speak, um, I mean, are you getting comments and feedback regarding uh, both what you're asking about and also in terms of this list you compile and maybe its effectiveness or use or why they matter, that sort of thing? Yeah, you know, we do get uh, a lot of comments from CEOs, but a lot of the inquiries we actually get about our, our rankings come from the states themselves, from their economic development okay. agencies and from their governor's office, typically. So there is a lot of interest of uh, around these rankings. Uh, from CEOs, we, do, we get lots of comments inside the survey about what they think about what they find most important and what helped sway them in the way that they voted. So it's it's interesting some of the background we get. Some of the comments from CEOs that uh, are 
are particularly interesting is how much of their perception is based on personal experience. So mm -hmm. it's really they're being pragmatic uh, about how they evaluate these states based on what their experience in working in these states are. So you know, as an example, we have an anecdote of someone who rated New Jersey as the worst state for business, and they're talking about what they were trying to move into a new building. It took $30,000 worth of getting new licenses and uh, regulatory uh, concerns out of the way before they were even able to start putting water piping inside their businesses okay. into this new building for their company. So it's sort of interesting the level of granular detail we get from these people. Sure, definitely, yeah. Now, before we jump into some of the states specifically, what traits or aspects of business do you find uh, maybe similar or they correlate in terms of, you know, the ones that the states that are near the top or, or at the top annually? What, what sort of the factors really end up putting those businesses or those states rather at the top? It's interesting. As I said, we asked the CEOs to rate the states in those three areas I mentioned before. And what we find is that there is not a direct correlation between a state ranking very highly in those three factors and also being ranked as one of the best states for business. Hmm. So what it seems is, is most important uh, is the, the self-professed position of the state. So how well they're going out and marketing themselves as a state that's friendly towards business. So when you see the top list, you see the list of states. I, one thing you'll notice off the bat is it's mostly uh, red states as they as they they're typically known, sure. Republican leading conservative states. And that's really what we found is that CEOs are are more pragmatic, as I mentioned before, about how they're sort of evaluating states. So it's not because that they're conservative or because they're Republican leaning. Uh, it's the implications of that that keep these states towards the top. So a state saying that, business growing here is more important to us than simply uh, growing our tax revenue through new legislation and new tax laws. That's what seems to keep states at the top. These states that continually show that they are in favor of making themselves conducive and friendly towards business. Well, you bring up an interesting aspect there, you know, that, and that's a trend in and of itself, obviously, um, pointing out the what, you know, the red states, so to speak. And I see that as being part of the fun and the, the interest in, in doing things like this and in figuring out these lists. For your company yourself, how do you guys use this information that you end up gathering? I mean, is it something that you then incorporate into a lot of the different aspects that uh, the things you're trying to do personally? Well, the the real specific purpose of creating this uh, survey is for the annual editorial feature. Hmm. The list we generate, it serves as a way for CEOs to have their opinions known uh, because most political pandering is done to attract voters for the sake of elections. Sure. What our list does is makes it makes known the implications of policy decisions as it relates to CEOs deciding where to operate their businesses. So uh, it's a voice that has to be heard because ultimately it's the business leaders who create jobs, not the voting populace at large and certainly not politicians. Uh, so that's a lot of the reason why we create this list and run this survey is just to highlight CEOs' perceptions on these issues, where they're going to grow their business, how they conceive of different states and legislations, uh, how that affects their decision making. Uh, the reason this list generates so much media coverage is because it's a unique angle. We're asking what the CEOs think about the states. Mm -hmm. Other rankings that, uh, that I'm sure that you've looked at about which are the best states for business, they bring in external factors and try to determine a definitive list saying these are the best 
best states for business, and here's why. And that's clearly not what we're trying to do here. We're just reporting what the people who run businesses think, their perception and their perspective on these issues. So uh, despite the conjecture and politicking that's around a lot of these things, it's, it's CEOs who determine whether to hire or fire, whether to grow or scale back their business, and whether to change where their business runs its operations. So these are the people who are actually making the decisions that grow or shrink the private sector and the private job market. So we feel it's important that this voice is heard. And what we learned from the survey, it gives us great insight into what CEOs consider when it comes to assessing a state and making site selection decisions. So it does help us in determining uh, what's important to cover in our pages of our magazine and the rest of our editorial as it relates to site selection. This information also allows us to work with state economic development agencies for them to learn how they're being perceived by CEOs, and we try to help them in how they can improve the perception of their state if that is something that's important to them. Yeah, and going back to the, the part you mentioned about you know, maybe seeing other lists and how those are formulated, I, I do appreciate this angle of it, uh, that it's coming from within people that are making those decisions and, and, and really, like, as I said before, in the, in the thick of the, of the business area. So let's jump a little bit then into the states. Obviously, we don't have time to touch on all 50 as much as uh, people across the country would love to hear about their own state. But if we pick out some of those interesting ones, I think that's a good place to at least get an idea of why things are the way they are. So I chose to ch- start at the bottom. Number 50, dead last, eighth consecutive year in the last spot uh, based on your guys' rankings, and that's California. So what exactly is the, the big issue with the Golden State? You know, California really gets a bad rap when it comes to running a business there. And like I said, it's a matter of perception. So, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the feedback we get when we release this article is people criticizing the list, saying, how can California be the worst state for business when it has the sixth largest economy in the right. world if it were of its own, or, you know, those statistics that you hear thrown around. But that's not what, you know, our survey is measuring. It's purely answering the question, how easy is it to do business in this state? And California is well known for having burdensome regulations, being very anti-business in some of their uh, tax policies and a lot of the legislation that they pass. And businesses there find it very difficult to make growth happen because there's a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy you have to get through. And I don't have the specific numbers, but there's there's a metric where to start a business, a new let's say a new corporation in, in Texas, mm-hmm. takes something like three days. Whereas in California, it can take six months to get wow. all the paperwork. So it's just transacting business there is very burdensome for businesses. And you have to remember... For every, a lot of times, this is what legislators forget: is that everything they put on the books has real-world implications for businesses. So, just because they pass a law thinking that they're protecting workers, what they're actually doing is requiring a business to dedicate some of their time and resources to making themselves compliant in that area. So, it's opportunity cost that is uh, borne by the company because now they're putting time and effort in an area that could be to to generate more revenue or to build their business. Now they're just focusing on being compliant so they're not going to have a lawsuit with the state or having tax penalties or things like that. So when it comes to California, they're known for having a government that is looking to sort of squeeze as much as they can out of business because the business world is so developed there. It's got so much industry that mm-hmm. dates back you know, over 100 years. It just has become burdensome. And, you know, another point that, that's important to remember is that legislation is typically accretive. So as a state's economy grows and grows, more regulation, more laws are passed, 
it doesn't typically happen that 20 years later, now they go and revise the books and, oh, these laws are no longer relevant. This is, this is out of date. And they strip out the legislation. We just get more and more legislation. So a state like California that has such massive industry and so much history in terms of legislation that's been passed and tax laws that have been passed, uh, it's difficult for businesses to envision a future with less red tape and less bureaucracy for getting their business done there. Those factors that you just mentioned then in terms of the, the booming business and how, how long it's been going on there, does that play into the, this other idea that I found it was fascinating that the second and third worst states on the list are New York and Illinois, respectively. And so then you look at those three states and you have the three largest cities in the U.S. all in the bottom tier there. Is that the connection, just the, the fact that there, there's been so much business there for how long that that's what makes it difficult, or is there some other connection? Yeah, you know, that's obviously whatever we all, all the implications we take off of this is speculation of some sort, but that seems to be the case. You can see from the list, the bottom states, just as you mentioned, you know, California, New York, Illinois, Massachusetts, Michigan, those are states that are known historically of being centers of manufacturing and productivity. Mm-hmm. So what's probably has happened over the years is that they've been overdeveloped to some extent because when industry develops, government typically steps in to either regulate it for the purposes of protecting uh, contracts or protecting workers or protecting customers, or they pass new tax laws so that they're uh, generating as much revenue as they can from an industry. So I think it all does sort of work together. And that's why these states that have been economically vibrant for so long, they're sort of victims of their own success because the implications of having a thriving economy are not less regulation and less taxes. That never happens. It's always the opposite. It's always more (laughs) regulation and more taxes. So these states that previously were very conducive to business. You know, people were going out to California to find gold, both literally and metaphorically, for a long, long time. Now the tech, the companies that are out there is where there's uh, some sort of proprietary advantage to being in California, or they're you know they're in the tech scene or something like that. Sure. So they're not attracting just generic business, just uh, ubiquitous people who want to succeed. They don't have that same desire to go to these places as they used to when it comes to starting a business or a new site selection for a business. So I think that's that's probably what the what it comes down to. They're overdeveloped in their economic activity and that has borne so much legislation and red tape. So if we jump to the the opposite side of the list, the, the top number one, and again eighth consecutive year in this case, number one is Texas. And the note that I had seen on there stated it was pretty much an easy victory. So what exactly is it that makes Texas specifically a great place for business? What it really comes down to is, again, just the overwhelming perception that Texas is friendly towards business, Mm -hmm. and they don't like government involvement in private enterprises or the private life of their citizens. And the implications of that are really strong. So people, and Texas also has a lot of other advantages going for it now. So we we don't expect Texas to move down on this list anytime soon, Mm -hmm. because they rank highly in all of those three factors I mentioned, taxation, regulation, workforce quality, and living environment. They're in the top 10 in each of those in terms of the ratings that we've got. So Texas makes it makes itself really well known that they love business, they want to attract business, they're anti-regulation, anti-tax, and anti-big government. And those are all things that business leaders like to hear. Uh, throw on top of that the fact that Texas has a, it's booming in terms of its growth. A lot of great workers are moving there. Uh, University of Texas in Austin has just been a birthplace for a lot of innovation and a lot of Uh, new types of companies, new industries coming into Texas. So there's a lot of things working in their favor, but the the largest one, by and large, is uh, that they're just really outspoken about the fact that business is important to them and they do what they can to make sure that businesses can thrive and survive in their their state. 
Now, the biggest jump of any state uh, in 2012 came from Louisiana, which moved up 14 spots from 27 all the way to 13th in the country uh, based on your guys' rankings. What was the catalyst or what's been the uh, really the reason for this quick climb? Yeah, Louisiana is actually an interesting case because they tackled our rankings head on. They said, we're ranking badly and chief executives, best and worst states for businesses. And they tried to address why is that happening? Hmm. And they addressed it successfully. They actually, we, we, we talked to Louisiana. We actually got a, several emails from their economic development agency after our rankings a couple of years ago, asking about what do CEOs think about when they're considering these things. And, you know, we helped them out and figuring what's important to CEOs and what they should be doing. And what they've done is they've campaigned heavily. They said, we have to make sure that we let people know that Louisiana is open for business and that we want to attract business and we're going to do everything we can to help businesses. And they put their money where their mouth was. They've had, uh, under Governor Jindal, they put in a lot of new tax relief programs for new businesses and for businesses investing inside their own growth. And it's, it's paid off for them. So they've done two things. They've passed legislation and tax reform that are conducive to a business operating more effectively. But more importantly, they made it clear that being friendly towards business is an important thing for them. It's something they're going to focus on and care about and talk about a lot. So that's what they've done. They've come out and made it well known. Louisiana wants to attract business. We're going to work with businesses to make sure that they're getting the support they need from the state. They're not burdened with too many rules and too much legislation that is overly burdensome. And they campaigned on that. The Louisiana Economic Development Agency has done a lot of advertising over the past couple of years to promote their, their new programs and to make sure that the business community knows that they're trying to attract business. So they're, they're a sort of a perfect example of what states can do in order to improve their ranking. But it, it, it can't just be for show. You can't just say, oh, we're friendly towards business, right. but then not have your governor's office campaigning to pass what would be the equivalent of stimulus programs for businesses investing in themselves. They've said they were going to help business, and they have helped business, and that's what's helping them move up the rankings. And I expect to see them uh, continue to climb for the foreseeable future. Another state that in the last five years, um, that's actually the second second biggest jump behind Louisiana, uh, is Wisconsin. In 2008, they were listed at 43rd. Now in 2012, up to number 20. So, what's been the difference for for the Badger State? It's a very similar story to Louisiana, but it's almost you can pin it more on uh, Governor Scott Walker. He has been such a proponent of business inside his state, and politically, it has not been such a great thing for him. You know, they almost they tried to get him out of office in a re-election bid, uh, and it, and it didn't work. Fortunate for for him. But he has been just a vocal proponent of making sure that Wisconsin is friendly towards business. A lot of these states that were heavily uh, in the manufacturing sector in the early 20th century, you know, into the mid-20th century, mm-hmm. they became, as, as you well know, heavily burdened by labor union contracts. And what he did, he obviously tried to renegotiate and dissolve some of those unions. And businesses love that because uh, it's, I'm sure you're seeing this in, in the, the people that you're covering these days, but the paradigm has shifted uh, in a large scale in how CEOs consider their employees and how employees consider their job and their company. And where it used to be that a lot of people were going to work just for a paycheck, just to be able to pay their bills, we've seen a sort of a shift in that people want to work in a place where they're actively engaged and where they feel like they're part of something valuable. So when Scott Walker helped to dissolve these union contracts and 
just put his chips alongside business, he's indicating that we want people to work for companies where companies care about their employees and employees care about their company, which is uh, uh, the new wave of you know the relationship between employers and employees. So you think about Wisconsin specifically, it's really thanks to Scott Walker. And they're sort of in a precarious position because, uh, as has been clear, there's a lot of power in the labor unions in Wisconsin. They were almost able to take him out of office despite all the successes he had in uh, helping to grow business there. So it's going to be interesting over the next few years uh, to see what happens with the state legislature there, as well as you know whether he can win his reelection bid in, in three years. So uh, if you want to give credit to Scott Walker, it's a very fair thing to do because all of his policies and all of his campaigning and uh, the speeches he's giving, the stump speeches he's giving, is all about attracting business to to the state of Wisconsin. When you've looked at the list and, and some of the things maybe you guys have, have researched, were there any states that jumped out to you in terms of having some sort of interesting note attached to them, basically affecting their success or failure? Again, I know that you don't necessarily get as much info on, on each state, but maybe things that just stood out based on what CEOs were, were telling you guys. Uh, that's an interesting question. I'm the Some of the comments, we got, we got a, gr- a great amount of comments uh, from the CEOs who filled out our survey, but a lot of the comments that were most effusive, let's say, in their support of a state came from Louisiana, okay. uh, where clearly there had been CEOs who had been in touch with uh, the government agencies there uh, who have really helped them to grow their businesses. So what clearly works for states is making sure that CEOs have an easy way of getting in touch with the state programs that are there to help build their businesses. So we got a lot of comments about, I believe it's called Louisiana's Jumpstart program, where they wanted to Oh, the Fast Start program, actually, I believe it's called. They gave great tax credits, and they helped businesses to grow and to do things they didn't think they'd be able to do so easily. They thought the government would step in, like as it typically does, and make things more difficult to get going. But Louisiana did just the opposite. They stepped in and made things easier for these companies. So what we're seeing is that states where they're actively trying to work with businesses, not just putting policies in place that are conducive to business, but actually creating programs and making sure that companies know about those programs. It's having a a positive effect on their perception from CEOs, uh, from the CEO perspective. Okay. Now say you are an employer or CEO, and and again, every state's going to be different, obviously, but how do you feel that they can use these rankings in terms of maybe a, a strategy to improve their situation, uh, maybe to improve business overall, what sort of things? Because you know, you've talked a lot about the states themselves kind of promoting things and, and, and being proactive in that way. But what about the CEOs or, or employers in general can they do in terms of a strategy based on maybe the rankings that they, they find? Yeah, well, it, every business is different, which is one of the most important things. So, you know, for instance, a company that does shipping to the Pacific Rim, they will not be better off being based in a state like Florida or Texas. You know, they're better off in California. So, it's not these are not a the fact this is not a list that they should go to and be like, "Oh, we're not in one of the best states for business, perhaps we should move our business." But uh, for different companies it is important. So, looking at the way CEOs uh, rate the workforce quality in their state for instance, if a company is thinking about opening up a new office or maybe moving its operations, they should definitely consider uh, these states and see how people who are working in these states currently feel about working with the governments. So it's really for for CEOs and employers, if they are so burdened by the state they're doing business in currently, and we see this actually, we see this in in the comments that we've gotten where, like in a state like Illinois, we had CEOs say that the regulation has just become so burdensome that they're thinking about shutting down their business or moving out of state. 
that, that this list is, an, is a good tool for people who are in a situation like that. If you're looking at starting a new a new office site uh, uh, on the site selection process, whether to move your business there or to open up a new office, then this is a great list to go to to help you with. Also, like I said, our ratings, work first quality, living environment, looking at our list and seeing where states rate and how they rank compared to other states, that's helpful because for some companies, workforce quality is incredibly important. But if it's an unskilled, uh, if it's a company that has a lot of unskilled workers, then maybe workforce quality isn't so important. Living environment, we know, is increasing in its importance for CEOs because they are concerned with making sure that their, that their employees are happy and fulfilled with the jobs that they have. So uh, a state, like if a company is in a state where they know it's a low-quality living environment, our list can help them to find ones that have been rated a little bit more highly by CEOs. So it really depends on the company and what they're trying to do. I wouldn't say that any company that's happy with their operations and things are going fine should see this list and see it as a reason to change what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But a company that's growing or opening up a new office, this might be a helpful tool for you because you want to make sure that the decisions you're making uh, are in line with your goals. And this helps line you up to make sure that, okay, now we know that these states are friendly towards business. They have a great workforce quality and the trend of their taxation and regulation is going in the right direction from uh, the perspective of business. Then this list can be a helpful tool. You know, you touched on it just briefly there. I wanted to ask in terms of looking for talent uh, or, you know, seeking out those employees, was there any indication that that was a big factor in any states or or consideration of CEOs as far as, you know, this is a good place for business because there's a lot of high-end talent or the opposite of the spectrum, you know, the talent's just not there. Does that become a big factor in terms of being able to hire people? Yeah, well, we know from other research that we've done that talent is by far the number one CEO issue right now. They consider that there's a war on talent and that they're looking to not only attract their great caliber people, but also retaining great caliber people and ensuring that they're properly developing them. Those are all topics that are of incredible importance to CEOs right now, uh, probably at the more so than any other point uh, in, in the history that we have of the research that we've been doing. But what you find, what we find, interestingly, is workforce quality isn't as important as, as you might think. So just to give you a sense, in our, in our top 10 states, only four of them ha- rank in the top 10 for workforce quality. The other five around the middle uh, is where they average out. So workforce quality is important, but it's not as defining a factor mm-hmm. as we would expect from the other research that we've done that says talent is such a huge issue for CEOs. But we do find that uh, this trend of talent being much more important is is probably going to stay that way for the foreseeable future. So I, w- I would not be surprised if workforce quality becomes one of the more important determining factors um, in where CEOs are opening their companies. But another thing to consider is uh, CEOs, when asked about do they care whether someone has to re- relocate for the job or whether they want them to be local, they're sort of impartial. So uh, that opens up the door that workforce quality inside the state is not necessarily as important as it used to be because people are more mobile and companies are more willing to help relocate uh, really top-notch uh, employees these days. You know, obviously we've covered a lot of different areas and you've given us a lot of insightful information and we're getting low on time, but I did want to just give you the opportunity to, in general, when, when people are looking at these lists, um, you know, whether it be a, a CEO, it could be you know somebody looking for a job even that, that could factor into their decisions as well. What would be your general advice in, in taking this information, gathering it up, and, and figuring out what to do? And again, I know we have to speak in generalities because you have all sorts of different industries and, and companies, but what sort of tips or, or general guidelines would you offer up in terms of utilizing this information? 
Yeah, absolutely. So one thing we've seen is these states that are ranking lowly uh, for how friendly they are to business are losing population. So I believe California has lost 3 million people in Mm -hmm. the past few years, and Texas is growing in its population. So, And you look at a state like Michigan, how having their industry uh, just crippled with the downfall of manufacturing there has just, uh, it's had rippling uh, effects throughout the state. So it's important that if someone's going to relocate for the purpose of a job, uh, that it be in a place that's vibrant and friendly towards business because you never know what's going to happen with the job you take and you don't want to be stuck in a state uh, where businesses aren't start. There's not a lot of startups. There's not a lot of growth. There's not a lot of new opportunity. That's not a great position to be in, especially if you've just relocated for a new job. So again, as you said, you know, it's difficult to pull out generalities, uh, but we expect the trend to continue that states that are friendly towards business are going to be attracting so much more. So uh, in a, as far as a short-term concern, if you find a great job that pays you a salary you're happy with in any one of these states, regardless of where they rank, then that's fine. But if you're thinking more long-term about you know your next job or what's mm-hmm. going to happen to this company, uh, considering the state and uh, all of its factors is certainly something that, that should be done before you make a big decision like that. Well, again, I appreciate all your insight. Unfortunately, that will signal the end of our time here on Nobody's Perfect. For businesses and individuals alike, hopefully with this information and analysis can aid in the success, depending on, of course, where you live. It was great to have on Michael Bamberger, Vice President at Chief Executive Research. Michael, where can uh, people find out more about the work your organization does? The best place to check is our website, which is chiefexecutive.net. You can find a lot of our content and editorial features there. You can also get more information about our research services. All right. Well, thank you again for giving us your perspective today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And if you, the listeners, have any comments or suggestions, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. I'm Tim Muma. Remember, nobody's perfect, so please watch your step. Watch your step.